Welcome to From the Corner. I'm Chris Mannix. Happy to be joined this week by three of the best and most known trainers in boxing, the Hall of Famer Freddie Roach, Robert Garcia, and Andre Rogier. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. How are we doing today? Fine. Fantastic. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, let's. I want to kind of go around the room first to just have each of you sort of talk to me a little bit about how your lives have changed over the last three or four weeks and and I guess how you're handling this current shutdown. Freddie, why don't we, we start with you? Well, um, things are a little bit slow, obviously. And, um, you know, I, uh, I did have surgery on my arm and uh, I, I tore my bicep and messed my shoulder up. And so I'm, I'm, under, I'm, I'm, I'm under the weather anyway. And then, uh, you know, the gym, they won't let me open the gym. And uh been supervising some workouts here and there, but just not having nothing else going on. Robert's probably been a long time since you've been out of the gym this long. How are things different for you? Well, look, I, I, I think for me, it's actually, I, I've, I've liked it. You know, I like the, you know, the, the staying home, helping with, with uh, chores at home, you know, maybe cleaning, do some cooking, spending time with the family and the kids. You know, I think that's the thing that I wasn't doing in the past and uh, having fights almost every weekend, you know, gone on the weekends. And, you know, for the past six weeks, we've been home every, every single day. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, honestly, it hasn't really, really bothered me. I, I enjoy it, but I, I do miss, you know, my, my guys at the gym and uh, getting them ready and obviously fighting because it's not only hurting them but it's hurting hurting myself hurting everybody but you know at, at you know at the same time I'm I'm actually kind of uh kind of happy you know because I'm I'm home and uh doing things that I haven't done in many years. Andre you're kind of in the epicenter there in New York um how have things been for you? Well you know it's been really rough uh our numbers are staggering uh, the uh, the number of coronavirus cases and the number of deaths is unbelievable. I mean, this is almost like we're uh, in a world war in this uh, tri-state area. And um, I've told all of my athletes, you know, it's time to stay home. Don't come out. If you do go out, make sure it's early and try to avoid uh, any uh, social mixing at, at all possible. If you need to run, just go ahead and run and go back home, take a good shower and, and just relax as we uh, deal with this day by day. Um, for me, it, I'm like Robert. It's been a, a much needed break. I'm enjoying myself. I've I've been doing a lot of cooking and baking, and uh, I'm, I'm a vegan, so I've been experimenting with recipes, and it's been fun. It's really been fun. You know, Andre just touched on it. All three of you, you men, uh, represent or train fighters that that represent all spectrums, right? You have the highly successful fighters from the Pacquiao's to the Mikey Garcia, Derevinchenko, uh, who make a lot of money and make a lot of money when they fight, to the lesser guys, the prospects that are coming up that for many of them rely on the income that, that boxing brings for, to make a living. So, Robert, what are you telling your fighters when they come to you? What's been your, your message to each one of them? No, look, it's it's tough, you know, and I I, I understand that uh, they're in a, they're in a situation where you know sometimes you know fighters 
fight for a living and without having any income coming in, well, they have to, you know, have obviously the support from the parents, you know, the trainer, everybody around them. It's it's not easy for them, you know. Uh, we're fortunate to have, you know, guys, you know, like you just mentioned, like a Mikey, like Freddie has a Pacquiao, you know, stuff, fighters like that that, you know, are getting – uh, pretty pretty good paydays, but uh, besides that, mostly everybody else is going to struggle, especially if this goes a little bit longer, you know, four or five months from now, uh, people are going to be in trouble. Fighters are going to be in trouble. Freddie, what do you think? Yes, um, you know, the thing is, um, you know, like I, I, Manny Pacquiao called me and he told me he's a little upset because they won't let him out of his house. <laughs> and since he's a senator back there, but, you know, the thing is about this, this has attacked the whole world. This isn't just one area, you know, it was like, it, it was easy to think about it being in LA and stuff like this, but it, it's worldwide. And I, I really don't think we were really prepared for something like this. And um, it's hitting us hard. And um, it's really, I mean, it's killed our sport for sure. It was killed all sports, to be honest with you. That's true. Yeah. So, Fre Freddie, does, does Pacquiao call you or does one of his 19 managers call you? Which one is Pacquiao? <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, he's still golf, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, he tells me about his kids uh, going out to play and, and they're having uh, a good time and so forth. But uh, for him being a senator, he, uh, he, can't, he can't leave his home. And uh, he, he, uh, he keeps telling me, he says, I want to go to the gym. I want to go to the gym and work out. When, when are we going to fight again? And uh, yeah, there's no answer. You know, there's no answer whatsoever. Robert, what are you telling your, your fighters, both young and accomplished? Look, there are the, just have to follow the rules. You know, they got to stay home. You know, obviously, most of them are, are training at home because they they are they all have their their fathers that are working with them. You know, if if Virgil Ortiz is in Dallas right now, you know his dad's there with him. Tatanahara, who's in San Antonio, Joshua Franco. You know, they're they're all at home with uh, with their fathers, and uh, they send me videos. I see videos of them all all working out. You know, and uh, they uh they have to continue because you know this you know. I don't know if 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 uh, if I'm even supposed to say this, but I got a few phone calls from from uh, from a few uh, of the promoters that I work with and say, you know, get you guys ready because we think this is gonna come back, you know, sometime in June. And uh, and you know, even though the fights are gonna be with no fans, but you know, the, the fighters still have to be ready. We can't just wait till June and, and think they're gonna be ready in two or three weeks. We they have to stay in shape. Plus, that's their that's their job. You know, they got nothing else to do right now, so go out for a run in the morning or, or, or if you have a treadmill, do your running in the treadmill, do meets with your, with your fathers. Cause the, most, most of my fighters are, have their fathers that are involved. So if they're home, well, it's so easy for them to do, you know, eight, 10 rounds of mid work and shadow box for another 15, 20 minutes. That, that, that's all they need to do just to maintain themselves in, in shape. Andre, what are you telling your guys? And Robert makes a good point that, you know, boxing is probably going to be one of the first sports that comes back when when the dust settles on all this, just because logistically you can do it more than you can do a team sport. Are you telling, you know, your young guys to to stay in as, as good a shape as possible? How good a shape can they be in without the benefit of, of a training camp? Well, I tell them to make sure that they maintain their cardio, which is really important because we don't want them to – is this a time when – this pandemic has you quarantined, so you're in the house. What do we do when we're in the house? We watch television and we eat. And some of my guys eat, eat, and eat. So I tell them to make sure they keep that road work going and 
make sure that you do as much as you can. Uh, you've been taught in the gym already. You know the basics. Do your exercise. Get that road work done. Do your shadow boxing. If you want to emulate uh, the heavy bag, put some weights in your hand and just work. That's all you can really do right now unless you have some of those devices at, at your ready in your home. But I tell them, I said, you have to be prepared because when this does finally reach its fruition and we get back to a new normal, you have to be ready to go. The first guys that are ready to go will be the guys that actually go. So be prepared when, when the time comes for us to get back on track that you're ready to get on the horse and ride. Freddie, a guy like Pacquiao, you, you don't really need to tell him too much. I mean, he knows how to train himself when, when it comes to it. But some of these other guys, whether it's the prospects or the contenders, are you, are, you try, are you mapping out ways for them to stay in shape? How are you kind of guiding them through all this? Well, you know, the thing, the thing is, uh, you know, we, we, I just told him, we might be called first, you know. I mean, you never, you never know who's going to be called next. So be, don't, don't get caught off guard and, and don't get not ready. Because in this sport, I mean, we have to be ready at all times. It's just one of those sports that we, you know, our, our, our athletes have to be in shape. And, uh, you know, and it's very important that if they get the first, because if you get the first call out and you say, well, I'm not ready yet, that's not going to go too well with, with the promoters. No, not at all. <laughs> and, you know, Freddie, Freddie has a point because, uh, you know, he has the fighter and I have the fighter, you know, that, you know, the first event, the first boxing event that was canceled was we, we were going to go against each other with Postol and uh, Jose Ramirez. And uh, we were scheduled for May again. So it, it, that also got postponed. So now I believe that we're going to be the first ones that are, that are going to get that phone call. Uh, Freddie and I are going to be the first ones. Hey, you guys got to be ready because you guys have, uh, you guys were the first one that got canceled. So you guys are going to be the first ones back. So I'm sure he's got Postol uh, getting his workouts. I have Jose doing the same, you know, for whenever they call us. We're going to just, you know, continue our, our training with the sparring and everything and be ready for whenever they tell us. And, and Freddie, you know, go ahead. That, that's because that's the big fight coming up. And, uh, you know, um, where it's going to be, um, we don't know. We, we knew at one time, but now we don't know location-wise and so forth. And, you know, does it just go straight to pay-per-views with no fans? Um, maybe. And, and Freddie, you know, Bob Arum didn't make Ramirez and Robert fly to China. I mean, they made you fly to China. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I think we were in China for like 38 hours. <laughs> oh, Rob, Robert, what about the idea of, of fighting behind closed doors? Um, it, you know, it's, it's an inevitability. I think it's, it's going to happen. It just depends on on how long we have to have fights behind closed doors. How do you feel about it? And how do your fighters feel about it when that conversation comes up? Well, look, I think it's gonna have, it's gonna be a, a have to, we're gonna have to do it. I like it or not, it's something that, that we're gonna have to do. You know, boxing is gonna, it's gonna change. And, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez, for example, uh, he told me that he wouldn't, that he'd rather not fight. But, you know, after, things are going the way things are going, he's going to have to, you know, even, you know, there's nothing else he's going to do. He, he has to, maybe, you know, he says, I can't fight without my fans. I can't fight without my family uh, uh, sitting ringside. And we, you know, we've told him, you know, we're in the situation where you're going to have, you might have to do it. And uh, he doesn't like the idea, but, uh, but uh, 
you know, what else is he going to do? He has to, you know, he's in a, you know, fighters that have already been accomplished so much might, might be able to retire or fighters that haven't really been that far in boxing that have, are maybe fighting four or six rounds that are making, that are not making a lot of money could consider doing something else if they don't like the idea of fighting, of fighting uh, without any fans. But those that are already in a position where, where the purses are, are huge and they're already fighting title fights, they're, they're going to have to, you know, there's no way, there's no other way he's going he's gonna to make that kind of money. So well, he's got to understand that it's something that that's going to be a must. Andre, it's not, it's the money for sure, but it, it would, I would imagine it also impacts the way fights play out. I mean, being in New York for Derevinchenko against, against Golovkin, I mean, that, it was clear the energy of that crowd, I thought it had a positive impact on Derevinchenko during that fight. I mean, how, how do you think that, you know, going in front of an empty space will affect how guys fight? Well, funny you should bring up uh, Sergey because Sergey, we had spoken and um, I said, uh, technician, what happens when we go into an arena and we have to box and there's no one there? And he's such a uh, nonchalant guy. He said, eh, it's okay, coach. I do what I have to do. <laughs> so literally, they're going, guys are going to have to do what they have to do to make it work. You can't say no. You have to fight. You can't tell a promoter, oh, I don't have an audience, so I can't fight. That means that the machine is not going to work. You're going to have to get in the ring. And it's the new norm for a moment. I'm praying that we'll be back where we are eventually. But right now, to get the ball bouncing, we're going to have to get in those arenas by ourselves. And and Robert and Freddie and I'll be the ones cheerleading our guys. Yeah, 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 let's go. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a different situation, but maybe they can reverberate those claps that we're making for our guys, and it goes from there. But they're gonna have to get in the ring, and they're gonna have to box. That's for sure. Yeah, we had something similar happen at the Chavez fight last time because Gabriel Zotto uh, had a fight in front of an empty arena, and um, you know it's really really hard to motivate him, and uh, like we really had to push him to. to to fight, uh, it's very difficult because they uh, they after the Chavez uh, the Chavez fight they emptied the whole arena, and uh, and there was two more fights on the show. So wow. Very unusual, but he he at least he got a little practice at it. <laughs> well, you know what I tell you, the guys that are always like the swing bouts, they're going to be ready for this big time. <laughs> <laughs> very true, the swing is. <laughs> It's Freddie. It's funny you you, you brought up that because I, I was there for that Rosado uh, fight, and that was the strangest atmosphere. E even swing bouts, I feel like, had more of a vibe to it because there were at least usually swing bouts. You might have like the family members of the swing bout fighters that are there in the crowd. This one, it was empty. The lights were on. I mean, I think that really was a uh, maybe an example of what we might be in for in the coming months. What was that like being? being ringside with Gabe? You know, being ringside with Gabe, it was very difficult to motivate him and to get him, get him like, get his combinations going and get him pumped up. And, you know, there was no crowd whatsoever. There was uh, uh, some officials, some judges, uh, three or four cornermen each, and, uh, and that's about it. And um, I think we have to get used to that for a little while. I mean, it's it's looks like the the path we're on right now. This is going to happen again, Robert. When 
you know, would that change the way you'd have to, to coach guys in a fight? I mean, Freddie mentioned the lack of motivation or the difficulty motivating Rosado. Does it, do you have to take that into account as you sort of start to prepare for the possibility that this might be the case for a few months? No, it definitely is going to be hard. You know, we're going to have to find a way to motivate our fighters. Uh, you know, they're going to have to motivate themselves. You know, it's, it's you know, even though hundreds of thousands or millions are watching on TV, it's just not the same from, you know, hearing the crowd cheering, cheering your name or, or maybe cheering against you. Sometimes also motivates you even more because most of the fans are going against you. It's just uh, something that, you know, boxing needs, but we're going to, we're going to have to deal with it and we're going to have to teach our fighters, you know, how to, how to fight. Maybe, you know, the gyms are also going to change. So, you know, sometimes we have a lot of people on sparring days. We're going to have to change all that too. So they're going to have to get used to all that. And uh, maybe sparring sessions are going to be just the trainer and the fighters and that's it. Just so they can start getting, getting right. used to all this. Right. You're absolutely right, Rob. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch what I say as a broadcaster too. Maybe a listener. Maybe they'll listen a little better also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one, one, one thing for sure is we're going we're gonna to hear every instruction, the opposite corners giving, and <laughs> right. we're hear everything going on. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit and uh, be against us. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to watch what I say as a broadcaster, too, if I'm sitting ringside. You know, it can't be, can't be too sharp. <laughs> we're going every, to hear everything you say. <laughs> yeah, Chris, every word. <laughs> Um, Andre, Robert brought up something there with, with sparring. And I would imagine that is going to be a challenge in the coming months as you go into a training camp. I guess for you, how important is sparring in the, in the buildup for, for a fight? If you had to go without it, how comfortable would you be with your fighters going into a fight? Oh, that, I mean, sparring is the essence of practice and, you, your guys need to spar. And I'm not saying that they have to kill each other in sparring, but you have to formulate your attack plans and, and your footwork and, and your ring generalship. And that's how you gain the experience is by sparring. So it, it's going to be, it'll be really difficult. The only good thing that, that's going on with my crew is uh, my crew of guys is so diverse that, they can spar with each other. I don't even have to call guys outside to come in to spar. And Freddie, how would you feel if, if sparring was removed from the equation? Uh, it would be very difficult, of course. But I was uh, back in the day when Eddie Fudge, you know, we used to spar six days a week when I was a professional fighter. And this, that's the way it was. And we, um, I remember Eddie Fudge saying that he thinks that heavyweights are over – sparring because they don't need to go six days a week so he cut the heavyweights down to three rounds and then i started thinking and i says you know what if it's good for the heavyweights i think it's good for the whole world of boxing you know not overdoing it and three days a week worked out pretty good and i think it's um, almost worldwide worldwide at this point i don't see too many uh, fighters sparring six six days a week anymore so uh, but having no sparring, um, that's going to make it a little bit more difficult for us. And, uh, you know, we'll do the best we can, but um, we'll see what happens. Freddie, did you and uh, you and Mike Tyson always agreed on sparring stuff, right? You were always in lockstep with each other, like yeah, same so first, You know, uh, yeah, he's, uh, 
he's he's very funny and uh he says to me one day he says why do i have to spar with three different sparring partners he said why don't we make it a little bit fair and let me spar with one sparring partner the whole day i says well mike you know that's not how it works no. And, but he tried to convince me that, it, that it, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, he is a character, and um, yeah, he says make it a little more fair and just have one guy per day. I says, mm. Eddie, I wouldn't have been, the, I wouldn't want to have been that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. How, how bad was Mike the sparring partners? Um, early in his career, he was, he was. Really, uh, he hurt a lot of guys. He knocked a lot of guys out and so forth. By the time I had, I, I got him, it was a little bit towards the end of his career. And he wasn't, he wasn't too bad on him whatsoever. And uh, one thing he said to me, though, he says, you know, Freddie, you, you don't have to get up in the morning and do road work with, with me. You know, I'm going to do it myself anyway. I says, yeah, I'm just there to, 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 to spy on you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I says yeah because yeah, I want to make sure you get up. <laughs> Robert, the, the the sparring sessions at your gym have become almost legendary in a way with the talented guys, uh, both veterans and young alike, who are all kind of around that weight class. Whether it's Jose, Mikey, Virgil, um, what would it mean to you to have that kind of taken away for maybe the rest of the calendar year? Well, look, I have already thought about it, and uh, look, we cannot. Uh, stop sparring, you know, the, the guys need to spar. And uh, I, like Freddie was saying right now, I remember those days, you know, sparring every day for six days. Uh, and uh, that was, you know, we, we used to do sparring every day. I, I remember those days, you know, I think three days a week is more than, more than enough. The, the guys get the rounds in, they, they get their, their sparring partners. Uh, well, in my gym, just like in Android, you know, we don't have any sparring partners because we're all in the same gym. We have, fighters for me and I'm sure Freddie does the same you know we don't have to bring guys from outside if there's ever one case you know I have called a wild card you know talk to Marie if she's got somebody for one of my guys and she does the same you know calls me for some of our guys to go help them out you know we've done that before but most of the times our guys spar each other so they know how to work with each, with each other they know how to do their work and uh, if, it, if we keep it all in the in, in the family especially now and we keep it all with the guys in the gym that's what we're going to have to do. The guys are, are in camp anyways. They're in, 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 in the camp house there in, in, in my gym. And uh, they all live together. They all, they all uh, eat together. They all train together. So we won't have a problem. Bringing guys from outside is probably when, when the problems could, could, uh, could happen. When you've got all your guys, Robert, under one roof, like I'm sure there's been times in the last few years, I mean, what are those sparring sessions like with, I mean, even when like Maidana was around or some of the other guys that were there? Look, we've had great sparring, you know, matches, you know, from Maidana against Brandon Rios to, you know, to Virgil Ortiz and Jose Ramirez right now most recently. You know, it's, it's insane, you know. But, uh, you know, they have to do their sparring. You know, most of the times, yeah, we tell them, you know, you guys got to work with each other. But inside the ring, one, you know, one fighter lands a good punch, the other wants to get even. And they get into wars. And, and you know, we're not going to stop them, you know, until the bell rings. You know, maybe we'll talk, hey, slow down a little but. You know, we have to, you know, they have to be ready. You know, Jose Ramirez is a perfect example. You know, he tells me, Robert, uh, I want to spar Virgil every day. 
I'm like, are you sure you want to spar Virgil every day? Uh, he says, yeah, because he's the only one that, that really pushes me and makes me, makes me work hard. You know, these guys, they like to work hard. Virgil Ortiz, you know, he wants the toughest sparring out there because he knows that's what he needs. And that's what they're going to, that's what, you know, that's what they're going to see in the fight. They don't want to go out in the fight and, and, and find something different. And they're not prepared for it. Andre, one of the concerns I have when, when boxing comes back is that there will be fighters that will see that some of the financial offers won't be as lucrative as they were before all this happened. You know, if there's no fans in the stands, that income goes away. Promoters will cut what they offer fighters. I mean, do you think that fighters get that at this point? Or will they have to see it kind of play out in the first couple of months for them to really understand that, that it's, it's likely things have changed? Well, I, you know what? I think the only problem will occur with the what I call the prima donnas. The prima donnas might have an issue with it, but everybody else that knows boxing, uh, you know, like the, the Garcia family is a family of boxers. They, they, they understand it. And, uh, you know, just a wonderful group from from boxing to training. Uh, Freddie, from the time you start a gym, you explain to these kids how things are going to work. Uh, the only ones that give us a problem really are the prima donna guys. Everybody else will get the message. They'll get it. If you don't get it, you're gone. So I think that literally it won't be much of a problem. Only a few will cause a problem, and they might be the guys that get booted on the side because now it's going to be uh, if you're ready, you're going. If you're not ready, you're not going, and we don't care about you. Uh, your issues and who you think you are and so on and so forth. So the dynamics are changing big time. And you can't say, oh, I'm bringing more fans now because the fans aren't coming in. It's about what's working for the uh, fight game and let's keep it going. And we have to put aside the, the egos and the issues and get back to boxing and build it back up. Freddie and then Robert, what do you guys think? Look, I, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, just like, like Andrew does, uh, you know, boxing is going to change and, uh, you know, yeah. fighters that were already, already making a lot of money, well, they are going to have to make less. And maybe I, I'm the, the last one that should be saying that because I do train a lot of fighters and I manage some of them and I help them negotiate their fights and everything, but it's reality. It's just going to be reality. Plus, you know, I, I, I believe, I'm not saying everybody in, in, in the boxing world, but there are some of those that are getting overpaid. You know, there's so much money around right now. You know, if so, if you know, if, if a fighter is, is used to getting a, a ten million dollar purse, well, now they're gonna have to cut themselves to seven or eight. They're gonna have to understand that that's just the way it is. You know, we, we, there's nothing we could say, and may, I should be the last one saying this because I get paid from from the fighters, and and uh, I shouldn't be saying that. Maybe I, I'm gonna get phone calls from my own fighters saying, "Why are you saying that?" It's just reality. We have to understand that it's reality. Freddie, what do you think? Yeah, you know when I when when we had Postal getting ready for the last fight, and then we did we did go all the way over there, and uh, he was getting ready, and then from there, uh, I thought everyone was coming back to the U.S. and he he went back he went back back home, and then I heard that he got in town, you know, in L.A., but um, I haven't seen him yet. So the thing is, uh, you know, uh, I have I have good sparring set up for him. Um, and, uh, you know, we know it's a very tough fight and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a very good fight also because both guys come to fight and, uh, you know, Postal, um, he'll, he'll be ready 
when they say go. Oh, and, and Robert, Freddie wants that fight. That's the Freddie Roach revenge fight. That's the, <laughs> the storyline. That's what's so fun about this sport, you know, and uh, a lot of people around the world think, you know, Freddie and myself, we, oh, they hate each other. You know, yeah, they, we've had some some differences in, in, in fights, you know, but in this business, you know, we're all in the same business. We, you know, we all uh, teach our fighters, you know, to fight and to win and uh, uh, win or lose. You know, we're, we're, you know, I'm very fortunate to be competing against somebody like Freddie. Freddie Roach, you know, it's just unbelievable that that uh, that I could consider myself up there with 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 somebody like Freddie Roach. Freddie, if you tell Postal win that one for me, like do it for me. Postal, yeah, he's a hardworking guy, and uh, he works very well. And you know, we're getting ready for this fight, and uh, it's really kind of strange though, because uh, when the fight finally got canceled. The strength and conditioning coach asked, uh, when, when are we getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> I said, wait a minute, there's no, the fighter didn't get paid, so we, we, sure, we sure aren't going to get paid. <laughs> I said, maybe next time. <laughs> do you guys think, I'm curious, do you think that, I mean, one of the things that promoters have told me is that they feel like this, this pandemic could cause fighters to leave boxing altogether. Now, maybe that doesn't apply. certainly doesn't apply at the top tier guys. But, but Andre, do you feel that? Do you feel like, you know, if this goes into June and maybe beyond, we might, you know, fighters might be gone from boxing? Well, I think that they're definitely going to have to make some changes. Hey, they might even have to go over to Amazon and deliver some packages for a while. But most young fighters uh, – that are coming up before they get known, they're doing something else anyway, until they get to that point where, you know, they, they're actually living off of boxing. I have a lot of fighters who box and also work. And uh, the, the norm is that if the norm is not, Oh, I'm just dealing with boxing and I'm making a lot of money. No, that's not how it works. You have to grow in it. You have to build up. And it's a, it's a step-by-step -step evolution. So once they get to that point, that they're making enough money from boxing, they might tend to start just doing everything for boxing. But usually in the beginning, beginning guys have a little side gig that they do. They might be working four hours a day, six hours a day, or two days a week. But nonetheless, they're doing something to have some uh, discernible income coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Robert, I, I was, you know, I mean, you know this, but I was surprised to see, you know, the number of side jobs, even good prospects have. And I was in Texas for a fight recently, and – I went to a title boxing class a couple of days in a row, and they were taught by the two Rincon brothers, Alex and George, teaching those classes. So these guys, these young guys, I guess they do already have secondary jobs to fall back on. Look, most of the fighters that don't make uh, you know a lot of money in their fights, and especially when they fight two or three times a year, they can make a living out boxing. You know, uh, you know we have uh, here in California. There's so I don't I don't manage or train him, but I do admire his you know his his his. His hustle, you know, he uh, his name is Andrew Cancio, world champion. You know, he just lost his, his title fight in his last fight, but he's, he became a world champion, defended it a couple of times, and he was still doing his day job, you know, for mm -hmm. working for the gas company. You know, those are those those are the things that outside of 
boxing people don't people see oh you're a professional fighter oh you're rich you're you're made you you're set for the rest of your life it's just not the way it is you know even even world champions you know that have made decent money have to find something to do once they retire so right now in this situation with with all, all, all you know all that is happening if you don't have a, if you're not a signed fighter with a with a top promoter you're going to be in trouble if you're going to wait for for a local promoter to hire you to make minimum paydays in boxing and 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 fight three four times a year you're not going to survive because i don't think the promote the local promoters are going to do any shows anymore because they they live off ticket sales right. and if there's not going to be fans allowed in the in the crowd then there's no local promoters are going to be able to do it unless you have a big tv contract then you could pay your fighters but if not it's definitely going to change uh you know that's why that's one thing you know i never never really expected something like this to happen but that's one thing i do tell most of my fighters and and they don't all do it either but i do tell them you know if you're not going to work if you're you know you're you got a good contract by a top promoter you're getting money good paydays you're also getting money every month because that's one thing that we try to negotiate with a, with a promoter you know give them you know for the first three or four years give them a monthly salary we negotiate that but uh go to school take some college classes you know because you never know what's going to happen after you retire from boxing even after 10 million dollar paydays that you got the rest of your life you're gonna have something to you're gonna have to find something to do you can't just sit home and spend your money you're gonna have to find something to do right. so that's what you know take some college college classes i think a lot of fighters are thinking about that right now and they're you know i'm pretty sure a lot are gonna are gonna you know when schools get back to to uh you know to normal i think a lot of them are gonna have to take some classes because it's 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 gonna be the future that's we're gonna have to you know it, everything's gonna change that's right freddie how are your fighters doing financially um financially not not so so well but um you know the thing is i do tell them you know go out and get a job you know because uh i remember when when i moved to las vegas and turned pro and i got a job at the, the golden nugget as a busboy and uh i worked at 12 at night eight in the morning and um someone says doesn't your boxing pay the bills i said no my busboy job pays the bills <laughs> <laughs> Facts. <laughs> I mean, fighting as a silver silver slipper, you know, you weren't pulling down a lot of money. <laughs> I think my my first pro fight, six rounds, ninety bucks. Oh man! <laughs> What's a fight look like at the silver slipper? <laughs> it was a great place, I'll tell you. They had a crowd. They had a crowd of about three hundred people, and. Um, everyone was really into it, and uh, it was it was a it was a fun place to be. Robert, what's the worst place you fought at? Man, worst place I would probably say in Los Mochis, Sinaloa. <laughs> it was it was a, a great event, a lot of uh, a lot of fans because people people in Mexico, especially in Sinaloa, they love they love boxing. Mikey fought on that card uh, early in his career, but it was just. So hot, you know. It, it was all in a tent where there was no air coming in. It was it was horrible. That was that's probably one of the worst places that I've been to. You know, the city is beautiful, but the <laughs> the, the place where the fights were, it was just I just couldn't stand it. <laughs> Andre, you have a good story there. Yeah, listen. When I, I we used to box um, at the PALs here in New York. And uh, they used to have lots of uh, what we call the uh, smokeabouts. Y'all guys know what the smokeabouts were. Uh, I mean, those were better than any fights you saw on television. 
And uh, there was this uh, little dungeon over on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn. And you, you had to go upstairs to come downstairs. And I mean, it was a mess. I mean, the ring, <laughs> every, after every bout, they had to stop them and retighten the ropes. <laughs> I don't know what kind of t that place was something else. So, and, and everyone said, when you box over at Duncan, don't hit the ropes because if you hit the ropes, you might go out the ring. So everybody <laughs> was warring in the middle. <laughs> um, I want to ask you guys before we finish about you know when boxing comes back, um, each of you are you know work with high profile fighters that are likely to be in high profile fights and. You know, here with you, Robert, and you, Freddie, I mean, there's a lot of buzz about Pacquiao versus Mikey Garcia. Uh, Robert, how do you feel about that fight if, if a deal can, can come to place? Well, look, me, you know, Mikey's brother and, uh, and trainer, you know, with my dad, with my son, we all agree that that's the only fight that we would really want Mikey to do at welterweight. You know, he... He wants to have uh, another welterweight fight and wants to get a title. And I think uh, Manny is, is, is the, the biggest fight out there for Mikey. But it's also the, the one that, that matches better for Mikey because Pacquiao is not a, a, as, as, as big as all the other welterweights. Pacquiao was a flyweight one, at one time, you know, even though he, he, his body has developed into a solid welterweight, but he's not as big. He's not as tall, you know, very dangerous, very fast, very strong. But that's probably the only fight that we're that we're okay with at welterweight. Even though I still think it's a very dangerous fight, I think that's the only one that we could probably agree to with my father and and everybody around our team. That that's the only one that we that we would want for Mikey at welterweight. Freddie Pacquiao's got a lot of options, of course. How do you feel about Pacquiao and Mikey, two guys that used to be stablemates at top rank and I'm sure know each other really well? Yeah, I, I love the fight. I think it's a, it's a very good fight. And uh, for where Pacquiao is at his career right now, I think it's a very good fight. And uh, hopefully we get a win and he runs for president and it doesn't let this happen again. <laughs> I, well, Freddie, I can't tell you how many times I've written Pacquiao will retire in a couple of fights. I stopped doing that like, you know, 10 years ago when, when that stuff came up. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> what is, um, just, you know, to add to Pacquiao, how do you explain his 2019? I mean, really, almost a resurgent year for a 40-year-old to not only beat Broner, but to go in against Keith Thurman, a, a top three, at least welterweight, and win a fight like that. How, how do you explain what he was able to do in 2019? You know, he just, uh, his work ethic is really, really great, and he works hard. I mean, he averages 44 rounds a day in the gym. He, um, you know, he, he, he's where he is because he works for it. Definitely, he works hard for it, and uh, he puts the hours in. And Andre, you were part of one of, if not the fight of the year with Derevchenko against Golovkin, a very close loss. I, I scored it, you know, for Derevchenko. Uh, I thought it was it was a brilliant performance by him. Um, we haven't heard much, you know, about him since that fight back in October. What are you hoping for with Derevchenko in 2020? Well, I, I really wanted, uh, I really wanted a rematch with Triple G. Uh, I was telling everyone that uh, would listen that uh, Sergey is one of the best middleweights on the planet, and he's one of the nicest middleweights on the planet. I mean, just a really good person. And if I could have 
uh, 10 Sergey Dervinchenko's, I would not want another fight in my, in my gym, not one, because he's just that person. But I told people that he was going to beat Triple G. Um, I knew the, the, the dynamics of it were if, if it was close, we don't get it. And, and although I thought it was a good competitive close bout, I thought that Sergey won it. And I wanted him to have a rematch, but Triple G has a habit of wanting rematches when he is on the back end of it, but when he's in the forefront, you don't get him. And I've had that twice with him, with Danny and with Sergey. But I thought Sergey did a much better job of, 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 of appreciating the victory than Danny did. And I think that he deserved a rematch. And I know we won't get it, but we'll just keep going in uh, the directions that make it possible for him to be uh, a champion. He's the unheralded middleweight champion. He hasn't had a title, but Lord knows he deserves one. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to hunt for that until we get it. Don't worry. Uh, I'm sure just to piss off Robert, Mikey will move to 160 to fight. <laughs> no, 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 Chris. Listen, listen, Mikey. Mikey is one of my favorite fighters. <laughs> Mikey is one of my – he's the only one I know in, in, in that elite level status that when he sees me, he says, hey, coach, how you doing? How the guys are doing? And so on and so on. He gives me a big hug. Now, I can't hug him right now. It's going to be a while <laughs> before I can hug him. I can give him a long-distance hug, but he's one of my favorites, so we don't want to see that. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, I appreciate your time. This was a lot of fun. Uh, everybody out there, stay healthy. Freddie, hope you recover from that arm injury and we get you back. Yeah, Freddie, feel better, baby. Thank you guys. Yeah. All right, good to see you guys, man. Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Chris. Talk to you soon.